0: So that's a benefit to starting a venture later in life, is that your network is more diverse and more rich and full of trust. So that has helped a lot.
1: Hey, this is your host, Debbie. Welcome to Gap Year for Grownups, a podcast for those who believe you can take a time out to reinvent your life, especially at 50 plus when you're figuring out what comes next. My guest today is Jeff Tidwell. Jeff is a 35-year digital veteran who's worked with big brands like ETrade and WebMD, as well as with a bunch of startups to create products and online communities. He's lived and worked in New York, San Francisco, and LA. About two years ago, as he approached 60, he began to feel slightly over the hill. That's when he got the idea for Next For Me, Next for me is an online community which also sponsors real-life events and it's for those 50 and beyond with a particular focus on work, meaningful work. There are numerous other online resources that address everything else for this demographic, dating, sex, planning for retirement, etc. But next for me is specifically a resource for post-50 work and purpose. And Jeff also represents a notable trend. A recent study shows that the number of entrepreneurs over the age of 50 has increased by 50% since 2007. And one reason, of course, and this is especially true in Silicon Valley, is ageism in the workplace. But another reason is necessity. There are 76 million baby boomers. According to Jeff, over 40% aren't financially prepared for a life past 65 without traditional income. That's the demographic that Jeff is targeting and trying to reach. In our interview, we talk about the challenges of founding a company and also the advantages of being a later in life entrepreneur. Full disclosure and a thank you. Next for me is a sponsor of this podcast. Let's dive into a conversation with Jeff. Welcome, Jeff. I'm so glad you could come on the show.
0: Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here today.
1: I'm going to start with an unrelated question, just for fun. Sometimes it, uh, it gets a, a revealing answer. What is your favorite moment of the day?
0: I like the first moment of waking up and that first cup of coffee. Hmm. I spend, uh, I have coffee all, uh, set up ahead of time and I like to spend an hour or so in bed reading and slowly waking myself up and writing or doing things like that. So that's my favorite time and I've gotten better at it. You know, I was overactive, up, out, nervous, Young man who needed to be places and and do things, and now I really relish sleep and taking things more slowly, even though I feel I'm busier than ever.
1: Oh, well, that then that leads right into our topic today, which is um, okay. not gap years per se, although I'm using the idea of a gap year as a as a period for making a change, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, which is exactly what you've done, and um, what and it's been just about a year, a little over a year, is that right? Since you that's launched right. Next for Me.
0: Yes, yes, just a year and a half now, from the, the first rumblings till you know here we are, a year and a half later, and and it's completely different than we planned it, and it's and that's for the best, and so it's been quite an educational experience.
1: Well, can you just for those listening? Can you take us a little bit from whatever you were doing before, through what must have been a sort of a gap as you thought about starting an entrepreneurial venture, um, and sort of how that came about? Because I think that's what a lot of people are thinking about when they think about let's they want to stop what they're doing and do something else. And I think doing something entrepreneurial, and certainly according to all these books I'm reading and that you're telling me about. The, st- st- the statistics are just extraordinary. The number of people, basically over fifty, you know, starting up entrepreneurial ventures.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, in my case, I had been working in tech for about thirty-five years, and um, for some, you know, big consumer brands like WebMD and ETrade and others. And then I, because uh, I'm I'm the worst employee you would ever want to have, I found it easier to be a consultant and so I was working with a lot of startups around strategy especially things relating to online community and and design and things like that and then you know as so many have stated something changed in the world and you felt like people were looking at you differently or bringing you into the fold differently and and I got it and and I thought why not apply this thing I'm experiencing, and I'm hearing more and more about, into something that's positive and and is a, a money making venture and can help people along the way, and so that's how I got started with Next for Me.
1: You know, it sounds like it started as this sort of idea of uh, a time in life of making things positive, of you know, turning possible um, discrimination, if you will, age discrimination, into something new and different how did you get from that big idea which totally resonates with me to this wonderful website and community with resources how did did that pop in your head right away or did you start with this sort of idea of what's next and then it turned into what it is
0: well that has been what i've done in my career which is um, develop online communities and and there were pieces of research affiliated with that where we would um Do for consumer brands, you know, understanding a specific demographic, that kind of thing, and and so it was logical for me. This is what I know. I've been a a digital person for you know as long as I could get connected, and so this is the world I've been living in, and it makes sense. And and also, I think there was something happening which we're hearing more and more about today, which is these large social networks or sort of exploiting people. And it turned into something, especially with sensitive topics like money and, and work and all of that, that you didn't want to have in the public domain. So you might have a network of people over on Facebook, that, you know, you have uh, often a superficial relationship, because it's public. But these topics that become really important to your life and and your survival are, are things that you might want to handle a little differently than that.
1: Well, so take us through uh, the steps of an idea to uh, the raising money part, to putting together um, an entrepreneurial venture, since this is what a lot of people want to do? I mean, is it like easy peasy or oh, what, what, what's, no. what surprised, what surprised you the most? It's harder
0: than anything you've ever done. And, um, every, you know, it'll take a lot longer than you ever thought it would, at least in my case. And that's been okay because uh, what we learned as we went along was worth it. I, I would say, you know, starting it was I looked around to those people I trusted most after 35 years and and who had similar sensibilities about about the world and and how to treat people and that kind of thing and and asked them in, and they're both people I'd worked with a lot. Carol McManus was an editorial and community person who has a long history with you know Yahoo Groups and the Well, which was the pioneering online community from stuart brand and others and she serves on the board there today and then drew Domkis, who is on the sort of modern media side of things is literally in the um, podcasting hall of fame for his pioneering work with his wife called the dawn and drew show way back in 2004 when this podcasting thing was just happening. So so he's scrappy and can, you know, throw things together in video and audio in ways that I can't. And with both people, because we have a long history, a lot of work can get done without having a lot of back and forth. We understand each other and our sensibilities, and we know when to push and ask questions and not. So that makes things move a lot faster. And so that's just the core team. And then... You know, if you work at something for 35 years, you've got a network. And that network has been very, very giving to me, especially in this venture. And so, you know, some of the authors that, that we hear about in this movement, Chip Conley and Karen Wickery and other people working out of the White House on Veterans Administration modernization and other people more from the tech side so it's this lifelong of relationships and understanding of people that when you ask them to come on board and help you out they're willing to do that because you have a history and respect for each other and that kind of thing so that's a benefit I think to starting a venture later in life is that your network is more diverse and more rich and full of trust so, so, that has helped a lot, yeah,
1: you know, that makes so much sense. Um, and it, it, you're also saying that you know you need you need a team it's it's one thing to have an idea, but to put together something that's really a new venture in addition to your network, you need to think of it as having a team to do it for and particularly for the pieces that maybe you're not as uh, good at or not as experienced at. Mm-hmm. so what has changed the most then since your idea for a website for this mm-hmm. Next stage in your life
0: it was um, zeroing in on the topic of work
1: mm okay
0: so there are a lot of news outlets and resources that cover the whole spectrum it's from um, returning children with college debt to knee surgery to caregiving for a parent to 401k. <laughs> development and and what we kept hearing was none of that matters unless i have continuous employment because the social contract is not working out for so many so many won't have you know an income from a union or or those kinds of things and so security is essentially living in poverty and so if people haven't for whatever reason, filled those coffers, then none of this other stuff matters right now. It is how do we fit into the workforce going forward in a place that is sometimes unwelcoming, but at the end of the day, w- we have to be the disruptors in, in the status quo. You know, HR departments can kind of overlook. How people are pushed out systematically or overlooked because their resumes are scanned in a certain way that that pull people out. Whatever it is, and part of it is ourselves being resistant to new things, we have to keep working. Much much of this audience does. Half half of 120 million people over 50 have less than $50,000 in the bank. And we all know that one teeny medical incident can wipe that out in nothing flat. And then, and then there there are people <laughs> with with after 65 only this small thing. So it's it's a existential crisis because it's like this wasn't supposed to happen to me. I thought everything was gonna be fine. I'd be in a Winnebago at 65 and everything would be rosy. It has been a hard march for people to face up to that. But now that they are, <laughs> we, we want to be there and say, OK, we can we can help you through this, you know, if, if you're willing to. And, you know, and there'll be plenty of things happening with regards to legislation and, you know, navel gazing inside of HR departments, you know, now that they have addressed all the other diversity issues, um, you know, bringing women more strongly into the workforce, people of color, LGBTQ, but not ages.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: So so there's something there. So anyway, long-winded, it is we are about work, and that's why we're different.
1: When you say work, and and also for the audience, you're targeting, do you not necessarily mean a full-time staff job with benefits? Do you mean either being entrepreneurial or contract work or freelance work or, you know, this gig economy? We hear so much about do or do you not take a point of view on that? We
0: don't we don't take a point of view. You know, people figure that stuff out themselves if they have hope <laughs> that things are possible. And so that's what we try to present on the consumer side to people is stories of people who who have confronted these issues and found their way through it or are working through it. So, you know, that there's possibility out there for somebody just like you who wasn't sure what was happening and found their way.
1: But do you think if you take off your next-for-me founder hat, mm-hmm. would you say that you believe that there's more opportunities in doing something, quote, on your own, whether you're a consultant or starting a company? or, I mean, does that seem like a more realistic avenue for work for, <sighs> the, for those over 55, or what do you think? Uh,
0: only for some. Only mm. for some people. Maybe it's my lens these days, but you know there's a million coaches out there now, yeah, and there are a lot of people who who are you know trying to become experts in a thing or 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 another, and there's only room for so many of those and 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 there will be some great success stories out of those people, but you know first of all, it is I need to keep working and keep this money coming in. And how can I do, perhaps pursue my entrepreneurial dream while keeping money coming in the door? Mm. So, so, you know, and, that, and that's an entrepreneur of any age has to make those decisions about, okay, you know, how, how can I modify my lifestyle so that I can do this and invest in this thing if I need to? you know that's a nice idea and a lot of it comes to starting to think about your legacy at a certain age and and how you can help younger people in their careers and all of that and i think that just comes along with being a a, you know active participant in a workforce that's healthy so I don't always recommend uh, this entrepreneurial path for everybody. <laughs> you have to have a, a strong strong will and uh, let things fly by you a little bit to, to stay in the game.
1: Yeah, and I suppose take risks. On the topic of mm-hmm. selling, which I agree yeah. with you is not um, the favorite thing for, for many of us, but marketing, which is sort of a piece of selling, talk mm-hmm. about your column for... um it's. I was going to say ink. No, it's not ink, It's um, Forbes, Forbes, right? Sorry, yeah. for Forbes. As a way of... Because I think this is so useful for anybody listening. When you think about how do you um, sort of, you know, build up your own brand, build up your own credibility for whatever it is you want to do, whether you're going to go get another job or start something. Tell us about that, because I just think it's so interesting, and I love what you've done with your column.
0: Oh, thanks. Um, so... Last year, I wrote almost 55, I think, columns in Forbes about starting the company. And, of course, I thought in the beginning, oh, this is good. It, it gets my Google juice up. And people look for me. They find me there. And they'll find out what I'm doing and, and all of that. And that was great. And, and it opened a million doors. and But the great benefit to it was thinking through what I was doing. So, bringing that discipline of writing on a regular basis, and, and God knows I need a copy editor, forced me to think about what I was doing and look at it from different lens and different perspective at different times. So, I would think, oh, it's Thursday, maybe I should get one of those columns out. What do I write about? Oh, how about writing about those three meetings you had last week that seemed to be interesting for different reasons, and I would write about it, and then I... You know, that act of visualizing something or writing it puts you in a different state of mind and it opens your mind to other possibilities. And so you see those meetings in in a different view than you would have just because of your notes and your follow up and stuff like that because you were thinking about them more strategically. So writing about stuff is really good for an uh, entrepreneur at this stage. And it, it opened my eyes in a lot of ways. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. In fact, I'm trying to cobble it into something that's more coherent and um, publishable in the middle of everything else I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, it's good for that reason. And I I recommend everybody write about what you're doing, no matter where you're publishing that, because it, it makes you think of it in fresh ways.
1: Well, I just, as you probably know, I just couldn't agree with you more. And when yeah. when my husband and I start, started our gap year about mm-hmm. five years ago, I said, <laughs> I said, why don't we, let's write a blog about it um, yeah. so that as we're doing it, we can be thinking about it and making sense of it. Because I have a feeling that, you know, one or two years later, we're not going to, we're just not going to remember. You're not going to remember how you felt or how you thought. And so... I, I really believe that so strongly that writing, whether it's for a blog or for another magazine, is you know, is is essential. And also, I don't think you have to think of yourself as a writer. I, I don't know if you do think of yeah. yourself initially as a writer, but I think that's a really key point. Because people think, well, I'm not a writer. That's not what I do. That doesn't yeah. matter. I don't think that matters at all. What, what do you think?
0: I had to find peace with that. You know, it it was something I that my own insecurity got in my own damn way all the time and I would have been writing a lot sooner had I been able to shake that and I'm, I'm not one for um, <laughs> insecurities or anything like that necessarily but that was this block you know and so this thing forced me to go through that and I got better when you're describing something in a narrative you describe a scene that scene may have not happened yet or it might be an ideal scenario for you, but by writing it down or or drawing it, I draw a lot. Um, that visual in your mind says when Debbie comes up to me and says, I'd like to talk to you about what you're doing. I've already got a place for you at the table because I saw what that might look like to be on somebody's podcast or this or that. Right. So, so that's a more sort of, uh, philosophical approach to things where, where visualization really helps you flesh things out.
1: Do you have a vision board?
0: I draw pictures of things and sometimes they are, they are index cards that I move around and things like that. And, and because I, I'm a a visual obsessive I, I sort of move things around in my mind, and and so with those things presented on a board in front of me, I, I see how they can have different relationships to each other.
1: Oh, Jeff, I so, love that. I want to see your. <laughs> can you can you take pictures? Take pictures of them oh, I got it. and put of them on. Of course, the... I
0: wrote about it in Forbes.
1: Oh, okay, I, I will look <laughs> that up. I'll be sure to link to that in the in the show notes because that is so interesting. Well, I just think you're a. An inspiration because I'm not sure you really told us how hard it was to do this because it seemed like it was so natural to you. you. You know about online communities and that's kind of what you've worked in. But um, can you think of one single thing that was just the biggest surprise? Probably negative, but it could be positive in this whole right. journey of starting next for me.
0: Um, well, lessons learned are start selling from day one. You know, it, it makes you think about what you're building. Is it is it something that has value to people? And that and that really, I wrote about it, but I didn't do it. <laughs> so I, I I had the notion that that was the right thing to do, but you know I got busy doing whatever else it is that you're doing a hundred different things. So so that's the thing I would recommend most: does and, what you're doing have value?
1: And it's a little scary because kind of sometimes you don't know until you start doing it and letting people respond to you and give you feedback and interact or not interact. Yeah. Um, I mean it's the same with this podcast you know are there are there yeah. enough grown-ups out there or certainly be people maybe even over 50 who care about and making a change in their lives yeah. and um and I And I, how
0: and how did you do that? You and, said I don't care I don't know how to do this I'm going to turn on a microphone and start talking right? And <laughs> and, and you said oh, okay now I know how that worked I'm going to I'm going to do this differently the next time a little bit by doing this. And, and it evolves.
1: It does. And it, it is scary because I think those of us, particularly those of us who are very experienced, who've been around for a while, done maybe a number of different things in our careers, we're a little bit perfectionist, you know, because at this point we figure we should know how to do whatever it is. But um, no, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm into the, the risk thing. It's, it's scary, but um, I think it's good. I think it keeps you growing. So, you're about to turn 60 and you've yeah. had a 35 year career in tech in New York, LA, and San Francisco, and you're gay. Uh, what has that been like with respect to your career and, and in the workplace?
0: You know, it, it uh, was never a big issue for me. I was an activist early on, and, and part of that whole thing was about coming out and saying, if if you don't think there's anything wrong with who you are, then don't hide it. And so I I ran with that, and it served me well. So it wasn't a big deal for me. And I also came out of an activist background, working with some organizations and um, ACT UP during the AIDS epidemic and all of that. And so it it kind of built... Something inside of me that was sometimes ready for a fight and to stand up for what I thought was right and and not be minimized. And so that, as a, a training ground for your adult life, is not always making it easy in the workplace because you're you're used to standing up for things and that's not always welcome. But overall, not a big issue. I am who I am, and everybody either likes me or they don't, and that's fine. <laughs>
1: So I love the way you said that, your mindset of standing up for a fight. Does that approach have anything to do with deciding that you're going to fight ageism, in a sense, with yeah. uh, Next for Me? Is there any connection?
0: Yeah. I, I think, you know, uh, our generation had a lot to do with the civil rights movement and understanding that you had a, a right to be at the table. And I think that applies here too. the difference from when I was 20 doing activist work and doing it now is that it doesn't have to be a fight necessarily. And the first goal is to get open dialogue happening between people. So I I think there's room for people fighting ageism in a very public and political way. And that's not necessarily what we're about today. We're about self-empowerment and and how we can make our way into the world of work after 50. And so there's elements of, of resisting ageism and, and how to address all of that. But it's not as much of a fight from my perspective right now.
1: Mm. So next for me uh, and for those listening, it's both a website and also now sponsoring, uh, events, people, actual face-to-face events. Um, so it's really, as you pointed out, it has changed and evolved, but next for me was chosen to join, um, a group, uh, it's called start out and they Mm -hmm. have a growth lab and it's a, as I understand it, it's a business accelerator in San San Francisco and other places for LGBTQ companies. And you were chosen to join. What has that been like? Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Well, well, it's great. I mean, the program itself and the organization is meant to empower LGBTQ entrepreneurs and their journey through starting a business and growing the business and all of that. And so it's been tremendous for that. I mean, the the fact that as a founder, I'm gay doesn't have a whole lot to do with my business but it does have a lot to do when I'm out looking to raise money or get sponsors for our work and that kind of thing. So it's really been a tremendous experience. We're three months into it. We're doing our um, our halfway report today, as a matter of fact. And, you know, the the great experience has been the camaraderie of the other companies that are in the organization or in this cohort that we're in and, and just sharing, you know – resources and the struggles and the triumphs with other people really makes a difference a lot of times on the entrepreneurial journey you're alone and you're 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 winging it and you don't always have people to bounce things off of and that kind of thing so day in and day out we're all clustered together there and then and they also offer a lot of opportunities for mentoring and um, experts coming in to you know give give talks and and share their experiences and that kind of thing. So really a great organization. Um, Support them if you can, and it's it's going to make a difference in my company from um, where we were three months or six months ago by the end of the program in June.
1: Mm. Well, I'll definitely put the link in the show notes. Um, Speaking of camaraderie, Mm-hmm. Um, like me, you spent a week at the Modern Elder Academy, mm-hmm. uh, which is Chip Conley's School of Wisdom, as he calls it, for those <laughs> age thirty-five to seventy-five. They keeps expanding the age range, um, and uh, in Mexico, uh, in, yeah. in El Pescadero, Mexico, down way down to the tip of Baja, and you I, you did that a while ago. But what what would you say? your two biggest revelations were at uh, MIA uh, as they relate to this stage of your life and maybe to launching next for me. Tell us, tell yeah. us sort of what you got out of this really well, I, nifty modern uh, wisdom school.
0: Yeah, well, um, we were part of the um, beta program. And so it was a lot of discovering how the program would roll out for people. And our particular one, I went for two weeks. And it was intense, and there were a lot of, um, well, I think there were seven of us coming from all walks of life and all, all different backgrounds and all looking at the next stage. And so the way it worked for us is the first week was a lot of exploration into how you identified yourself yourself today you know when when somebody asks you who you are and what you do that was this definition and how you got there and and why you think that way and um and then we took a break on the weekend in between the two weeks and and had a vision quest in the middle of the desert in a teepee for nine hours by yourself <laughs> so that was uh, a revelation and and actually you know uh, a nice time to sort of think about what you had gone through in that first week and then in the second week we explored how you would evolve in the next phase of your life and so there were exercises around um kind of changing your perspective and exploring what mattered to you and how how that would translate into your next chapter so it was great
1: oh it sounds amazing and and yes i'm not in a soundproof studio i'm in Brooklyn. Well, that's that's really fascinating about your experience at, at MIA, as we're calling it, Modern Elder Academy. But let mm-hmm. me ask you a, a last question. Do you think at this stage of your life, turning 60, which is kind of a big deal, but also not a big deal at all, I'll tell you, um, <laughs> do you think you have more or less fear of failure?
0: Less. A lot less.
1: And I guess I mean that in relation to yeah. next for me or whatever you're planning.
0: I mean, you get uh, you know, confidence as the years go by and you, you start to see patterns of um, uh, scenarios and you know what the outcome of those are. And so you know what to avoid, you know when to dig in and you know when not to give up. And so, you know, I mean, the way I look at this is what else would I be doing right now? I'm, you know, I don't think I'll fit into a, a, a corporate gig anytime soon. I've got my own way of, of thinking and decades of experience that I want to apply to something that, that I think is right and, and matters to me. And so, no fear, blindly, I should, I should have a ton. But, but luckily, it hasn't, um, it hasn't reared its head too much for me. So I persevere and um, you know and we're we're in it for the long haul and and think that you know we we're, we're learning every single day and we make adjustments and 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 you know big adjustments sometimes but but we're learning uh, about what is working and how how we can be a voice for this generation
1: well i every time I look at next it looks better and better and there's more resources in the focus on work is clearer and clearer. And, and you're, you're a model, Jeff. I mean, you're a, you're a modern elder. You're a, um, which I know because you graduated, I think, (laughs) and you're a mentor and I just, that means so much to all of us. Um, And certainly, certainly to me for this fledgling podcast. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much. This was just Uh, fun, fun and so interesting.
0: Well, of course, you know, I would be failing in my responsibilities if I didn't ask, what's next for you?
1: Oh. (laughs) Well, uh, continuing with the podcast and making it better and better, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to get back to working on the book, and I call it the book, um, book. on my topic of gap year or time out to reinvent your life, looking uh, reinventing with the goal of finding meaning or finding a new purpose. So that's what's next for me. That is my extraordinary revelation, if you will, that came out of a week in the the desert by the Pacific Ocean. Um, So I'm pretty excited about that.
0: I can't wait for the book.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, give it, give it, it's going to take longer than a week. Give give it some months. Um, (laughs) But I hope we can talk again and maybe next time I'll be in a completely soundproof studio and and we'll both just sound mellifluous and, and marvelous. But this was so, so much fun. Thank you.
0: Thank you. You bet. And we should note that we're planning an event in New York in the early, late spring, early summer, I think. I don't have my notes in front of me. But we'll, uh, we'll let everybody know about that on, on Next For Me and, of course, through your podcast, I hope.
1: Absolutely. That'll be in the show notes, and we won't say any specifics now because we might get it wrong, and I will make sure everybody knows.
0: Great. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Debbie. I appreciated this.
1: That's a wrap for this episode of Gap Year for Grown Ups. If you're feeling inspired, you could leave a review on iTunes. It really means a lot. And if you've got ideas for future shows or topics, You can email me at thegapyearpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, however you want to reimagine your life, now is the moment. Don't wait. This is Debbie, your host. Till next time.